you give him the time as you live, his word rhymes. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Living in God's Rhyme, the podcast where Tim and Dave talk about faith, poetry, family, and the goofy things that come into our heads. Oh, hi, I'm Dave. And you completely <laughs> froze and I can't hear anything. Oh, no. Well, let's just keep going. Okay. Are you done? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. You're still frozen. That Disney, well, that Disney is keeping up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got... <laughs> Hello, folks. My name is Tim. I'm the other half of this show, and uh, Dave is the technical brain that gets it on the, uh, gets it on the Internet. And uh, I'm just going to continue to write some poetry, and hopefully you like it. Well, we do. Okay. <laughs> yes, we do. I, I enjoy it, too. I, I, I have to tell you, Dave, I really enjoyed this time uh, recording these, and uh, it's been a, been a real pleasure. It's been a real oh, pleasure. Uh, good addition to my life, and I thank you for uh, following the Lord when he led you to give me that phone call that you were hesitant to make. Yeah, uh, one of these days again, we're going to have to have a discussion about that. We almost, we probably should have talked about that with uh, our guest today, but maybe, yes, yeah, maybe next time. I mean, he, because <laughs> the power of prayer is an amazing thing. And look yes. at what brought you and I. Yes, uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what are we going to talk about today, Dave? Well, as promised last week and the week before, we told you we were going to start talking or we we're going to interview. Pastor Peter Foxworth from the Cornerstone Foxwell. Church. Foxwell, I'm sorry. Okay, I know it's been a week since we talked to him, but. <laughs> and that's something too, folks. Uh, we recorded this a week and a half ago, or a week ago. Yeah, a week ago. A week ago, and so now we're recording our portion of it today to the ins and outs, because we had some editing to do, and again, as we talked about in the podcast, we don't edit out content. We just edit out ums and ahs and clicks and, you know, little things like that. <laughs> so, so you're telling me that what once was two-hour interview is down to about 45 minutes? Yeah, 45, yeah, well, <laughs> actually 34. Because <laughs> it's coming to you in two parts, folks. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Folks, I uh, I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. Tim has as saying uh, uh, Peter's praises for quite a while, and I now know why, and now you're going to know why. Once you hear or watch this on video, you're going to understand why Tim is so impressed and why he likes going to this church. Um, what do you what do you, what do you got about this one, Tim? Well, I just uh, I'm very happy that uh, Peter agreed to the interview. Peter is the uh, the pastor of. Uh, Cornerstone Church in Clyde, Michigan, which is just outside of uh, Port Huron. And uh, I've been going there since, uh, I believe, some probably around uh, 2015 or so. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going there when the first book came out. And um, it's just a blessing. Uh, not only Peter, uh, but uh, just everyone there that goes to church there has been a blessing to me. Uh, in supporting me and uh, just uh, my faith, my I tell you what, my my faith, my understanding of God has truly grown uh, immensely in my time there, and uh, mm -hmm. I thank God that I'm there and that He placed me there. 
Yeah. And uh, Peter, Peter's had uh, an interesting life, an interesting uh, his journey of, of faith is really interesting, and that was uh, why I was uh, suggested we we interview him because uh, it didn't go. I I don't think it's it's not your normal, it's not your normal one. I don't think. And it probably, and I don't want to make that sound really uh, unusual, but I think there's some unusual things that have gone on in his faith journey, and uh, he's just, uh, his faith in God and in Jesus is amazing, and it's catchy. It is, yeah. It's catchy, yes. Uh-huh. He, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about it after you hear the first part of the interview, folks. Uh, but his story is very, very intriguing. Yeah. It really, really is. And I'm not going to talk any more about it. What do you say we just let the... I think think that we should both stop babbling and just let's get on with the interview. Let's get on with the interview. All right. Yeah, so folks, we hope you enjoy. All right. Well, folks, as promised, here we are in our interview with Pastor Peter. Tim, if you would, uh, wouldn't mind doing the rest of the introduction for me, I'd be okay. happy to uh, you do that. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, today we're interviewing uh, Peter Foxwell, the uh, pastor at Cornerstone Church uh, in Clyde, Michigan, which is uh, just outside of Port Huron, where I live. And uh, we, uh, I think that Peter's had a pretty interesting uh, journey in his life. And we'd like to find out about that and share it with you and share his experiences and his faith with you. Uh, and that's our, that's our hope for this interview. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Peter. Good to have right. you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Happy to be with you. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I write a lot, Peter, so you don't don't pay attention. If I'm if you don't think I'm paying attention, it's just because I'm writing things now. All right. I'll, that's I'll, my job. I'll think the best of you. Yeah, well, <laughs> keep that up. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, <laughs> enough of that. Uh, well, I've been going to Cornerstone since around 2017 with a, a break in the middle somewhere. And I've really enjoyed it, Peter, but uh, I, th- I find your journey interesting from uh, where you grew up all the way through to uh, to coming to where you are here in the Blue Water area, uh, the Port Huron area, and your latest endeavor. Uh, you want to get? Can you give us a? I don't know a short history of uh, how things have gone, where things started, and how where they're at, or whatever you think you want to talk about for that. Sure. Yeah. Happy to do that. Well, I was raised in Scotland. Okay. Uh, in the suburbs of uh, its capital city, which is Edinburgh. So I grew up in a village called uh, Curry, which is in the Pentland Hills. Um, I was on the uh, south and uh, west side of Edinburgh. So uh, I had a pretty normal upbringing, I guess. I, uh, I had wonderful parents who were very interested in my brother and me and supported us and loved us and gave us every advantage in life. Um, Graduated from uh, uh, just a regular high school, went to the University of Aberdeen. Mm -hmm. In Scotland, the undergraduate 
degree in law is the same as a, a the in the states the JD for us it's a bachelor's degree right out of uh, high school so I, I got a law degree I had to apprentice with a master uh, lawyer for two years which I did um, but it was while I was in university that I first encountered Jesus and it was in my second year at university that I was introduced to the good news about Jesus and uh, the weirdest experience ever. I had been very anti-church and anti-Christian, and I was surrounded by these Bible thumpers in the uh, in the uh, university dorm and made their life kind of difficult. And um, one evening, one of them introduced me to Jesus, and I actually believed what she said and trusted him as my God and Savior. And that kind of changed the whole trajectory of my life. So even although I, I graduated and I went into the practice of law as an apprentice, um, I knew that I wasn't going to stay there, that I had a calling to preach. I had a very profound encounter with, I, I'm assuming, with God and felt extremely burdened to spend my life preaching the Bible. So that led to a lot of conflict <laughs> with a lot of different people, <laughs> uh, my parents included, and my friends all thought I was crazy. And uh, so I ended up, after those two years, I ended up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at a grad school there, uh, training for ministry. And I uh, crammed a three-year Master of Divinity degree into five years. Yeah, I've never really enjoyed being scholarly, uh, being a student. I like being a teacher. Mm -hmm. I don't like being told what I have to study <laughs> and what I have to write on and stuff. So it took me a long time, and I worked in churches the whole time, so I had a lot more fun doing that than the schoolwork. Yeah. And well, uh, how, did yeah you, go ahead. how did you find out about Grand Ra the school in Grand Rapids? Yeah, right. So after I graduated from university, I, I moved home, um, and I managed to get a job as an apprentice in Edinburgh, so uh my home was close to work. And while I was home, I found this tiny little church that had an American missionary pastor. And I mm -hmm. got involved with that church because it was walking distance from my house. And um, he knew about my calling and encouraged me, gave me ministry assignments, and then came to me and said, I think I've got an opportunity for you. And it was a, a full-ride scholarship for my master's oh. that included my housing and everything uh, because I was a European. <laughs> so <laughs> I've never been so glad to be a European. It does pay off sometimes, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I always wondered how you how you got over here. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, really cool. Yeah, it was like. a, it, it was 
not an easy decision in, on one level because I loved I loved my parents and loved living with them and I enjoyed being an attorney and I loved Edinburgh and loved Scotland. But I really had this very powerful um, push. So um, I left home, left my friends. Back in the day, there was no internet. You couldn't text home or uh, <laughs> Yeah. It was a dollar a minute to call uh, uh, overseas, oh, uh, so he's pretty pretty isolated for a long time. Yeah, hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah we're spoiled today for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Uh huh. Yeah. So, Peter, so, you're uh, you're married, right? Yeah, I should have said that up front. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. I I I read your um, I heard one of your conversations online, but. You, did you meet your wife in over here in, in America, or was she from Scotland also? Yeah, my wife, Kim, is uh, Michigan-born and bred. She was born in Flint, and she okay. grew up in uh, Millington over by Frankenmuth. And her parents oh, wow. owned an apple orchard, so she grew up hauling apple crates. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. I knew there was apples involved in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's hard work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I, but yeah, she, no, she looks, she looks like the caricature of a Scots woman. She's oh, does she? a beautiful red hair and oh, my. Uh, dark red, gorgeous. So I, I married the, the most beautiful woman I could find who would say oh. yes. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that someone led you there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you, you two have made a wonderful couple. I know that. Yeah, it's not easy being a pastor's wife, and uh, uh, there were many, many difficult times. And uh, she was uh, a trooper through it all. The rock steady, stable part of my life has been Kim. Good, good. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, for that. I don't know something Thank about you. wives that that help us out and. Yeah, keep us on the straight and narrow. Sometimes, yeah, yeah you can't you can't do it uh, without a wife who is ready and is willing to kind of dive in with both feet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I know she has. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, that's interesting. So you've been a pastor for a while. Uh, oh, I do. One question that I always wanted to ask you. At what point did you lose your accent? <laughs> it happened so fast, and I don't know how it happened, but it was within... we After we graduated from the seminary, I moved to Canada to work in a church in London, Ontario. Yeah. And it was somewhere during that time that my accent began to depart, sadly, yeah. because I think I could probably make more money if I had kept it. <laughs> yeah, what is, there is something about that 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 accent that, yeah. that people are attracted yeah. to us, and, uh, and it reminds me. I had a, a friend who, uh, well, first of all, uh, our daughter, our middle daughter, went to grad school out in Maryland and stayed there. And after a year, she had an accent, mm-hmm. a definite accent, which is still with her today uh, in Florida. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll wipe that out of her. Trust and, uh, <laughs> and I also had a friend who, in high school 
uh, who belonged to a club. Uh, and every year they took a trip with called the Parliamentary Law Club. And one year they went to uh, Ottawa, Canada. No, they went to Quebec. I'm sorry, they went to Quebec, one or the other. He came back after a week with a French-Canadian accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it wasn't real, but <laughs> that's what yeah. he wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I must be a chameleon or something, just oh. anxious to fit in. It's, oh, okay. Oh. Like, yeah. uh, I've never, it never sounds like you were a little rebellious before you decided to fit in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a terrible rebel. I like I want to be, but I'm too cowardly to really be one. So, uh, well, yeah. but I remember trying to order fast food when I, the first week I moved over here and just feeling so awkward and out of place with my accent. And yeah. uh, I'm sure that had part of the cause of changing. Oh, yeah. that would make sense. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Cornerstone Church, mm-hmm. uh, 25 years. Yeah. Celebrated this year. And uh, it's been quite a journey for you, hasn't it? Yeah. It's been a long and winding trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. No, I was just going to ask what year you got out of uh, seminary so I could get an idea of. Oh, yeah. So, Cornerstone started. Right. Kim and I got married in 85 okay. when she graduated college. And then I had one more year in seminary. So graduated in 1986. Okay. And we moved to Canada. We served three years in a church there, and then four years in a Bible college and seminary, and then mm-hmm. moved here to Port Huron to a different church. Right. Uh, yes. And that lasted four years. And then we okay. started the Cornerstone. Wow. So it is definitely home. Yeah, you'd think after all this time, it's been uh, this January will be 30 years since we moved here to the Blue Water area. We lived in Marysville for 19 years, and then we moved out here close to Richmond uh, about 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, I think 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you were to talk to if you were to talk to the people to people and who uh, what what would you tell them about Jesus and and what would you uh, I you know we don't know the demographics of our listeners and those who are viewing it on YouTube whether mm-hmm. they're all believers whether they're on the fence or not but. Uh, what would what advice would you give someone like Dave and I, Dave and me, if we're trying to uh, express our love for Jesus and the need for Him in our lives and in everybody's life? Well, I think it would depend who you were talking to and what their uh, pre presumptions are. You know, what mm-hmm. assumptions they're coming into the conversation with. But okay. I think, I, but I think no matter who you're talking to, there are some areas of commonality. Um, I, one of my things is I want people to know that Jesus is an actual historical person, because I think that often gets lost in the mist of religion. So people think he might be sort of a religious symbol, but not a real concrete 
flesh and blood mm-hmm. person. So I, I, I'm interested in communicating that. Um, I'm interested in communicating that he, um, he came into the world on purpose and it was not to give a moral uh, code to people so they could follow and become highly moral people. I think because I think that's the biggest misconception of Christianity that people have, that it's simply a moral improvement society, when in fact it's actually much more radical than that. So the Christian faith is about the kingdom of God, which is the reign, the rule of God, coming into the world and invading people's lives. And Jesus is the way into that kingdom, and he is the ruler in that kingdom. So people don't so much sign up for a moral improvement experience so much as they sign up for a revolutionary uh, transformation of allegiances. So before Jesus, I followed the kingdom of Peter, King Peter ruled everything. Okay. I did did what I want. I thought what I want. I loved what I want. I I I was king. Mm-hmm. And King Peter was influenced by all kinds of other kings. You know, you can go from the extreme spiritual supernatural uh ideas of of Satan and his kingdom to just cultural winds and waves to uh, friends and family. So there's all kinds of kingdoms outside of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ. So before I met Jesus, I was my own king, and I was highly influenced by all kinds of other kingdoms, but not God's kingdom, obviously. So I'd want them to know Jesus is real. He's not about moral self-improvement. He's about ruling over our lives and we choosing to follow him. So so that's kind of half of what I would want to say. Um, The other half is uh, to tell folks, oh, and by the way, you do not have the capacity in yourself to enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ because you are so polluted by being your own king or queen, uh, you you are absolutely uh, guilty of rebellion against the true king, and you deserve to be punished and to die spiritually, physically, every other way. And that the only way that a sinful rebel can be forgiven and cleansed and transformed in the way God wants, is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not by trying harder. It's not by a redo. It's not by certain affirmations. Uh, It's not through spiritual practices. It's 100% trusting in who Christ is and what he has done on our behalf in his life, his death, his resurrection, and his exaltation to the Father where he intercedes for us. 
That's the only way for someone like me to enter the kingdom of God. So that's in a very small nutshell is what I would want people to know. I love that. That's a lot. A couple of things. It's huge. (laughs) It is a lot. Uh, Jesus is invading our lives. I I like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Wow. Yeah, he did. uh, Yeah, I I did have, and I've mentioned on the podcast once before, I I had an experience with, uh, before I was saved, I was, I I was experiencing Jesus, but I really hadn't made the commitments and turned my life over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was three of us co-workers and uh, the other one who was a, a firm believer uh, had been for many years strong believer was trying to convince the younger per- uh, man to uh, to turn his life over to Jesus and that's when I learned that you sometimes you just have to stop because after about 10 minutes the guy said listen I've had enough I don't want to hear anymore yeah it's, and, it, it, and I looked at it, it was just me. It was almost like a, you know, you really have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I know it's a choice, but it's our choice. Mm. Right. Not someone else's. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I made many, many mistakes in my younger years. Very argumentative, very cocksure of myself, mm-hmm. you know, and pushing people to choose for Jesus. But you, it really doesn't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we just have to uh, turn around and uh, dust the dirt, just dust off our sandals, huh? Yeah. Well, or yeah. just lovingly pray and encourage yeah. and be friends, and until the timing is right. Yeah. At least, we, yeah. Maybe the seed's been planted, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, the other thing that. Uh, I find very interesting, and there's other things I want to talk about, is your recent college experience. (laughs) Not liking to be a student, but (laughs) you recently got another college degree. Yeah, I did, which is amazing. Um, Least likely. I was, uh, my parents were told when I was in high school that I would never go to college. All I was interested in high school was partying and playing rugby. And I played rugby for two teams, high school and then a club team every weekend. And that's all I cared about. So I didn't do my homework. I didn't study hard. I I didn't do anything. So, yeah. um, And then seminary, I was grateful, extremely grateful for the learning that I experienced. But. I, I would rather have been out there preaching and teaching and mm-hmm. doing all the other stuff. So, but when in my first um, job in London, Ontario, one of the staff members there, who's a very wise man, told me that I should pursue a doctoral degree back then. And I had n- <laughs> no interest and no uh, means like, uh, how would I ever pay for it? How could I do my job and mm-hmm. go to school? And uh, But I've always had that in the back of my mind, and I have tried three times. So I had most of a doctorate done back in the early 90s, 
And then I changed jobs and it just became uh, impossible to do both. And then I tried for another one, uh, maybe 20 years ago. And I, I really hated it. I couldn't stand what I was learning. <laughs> so I quit after one class. Mm. And then um, I discovered, uh, so I, I've always had it in my mind. I've always been sort of feeling guilty that I had never followed through. And then Liberty University down in Lynchburg, Virginia, which is probably one of the biggest providers of online education in the world. They have 130,000 people pursuing degrees mm -hmm. of one kind or another online. They've got 15,000 on campus and then 130 wow. all over the world. And it's um, a very specific kind of online education. It's asynchronous. So you're not in classes with a bunch of people all at the same time, all hearing the same lecture. So you can work on it anytime you want within their time frames. So there are definite limits on this paper's due this time, this is due this time. But you can work at 3 a.m. if you want from Rwanda as long as you get all your stuff in. So okay. I've worked, I worked on it from a cruise ship, for example, at one, one stage. So, <laughs> um, so when I, I was waiting for them to come up with a doctorate that I wanted to do, uh, they had an online PhD in historical theology and, and uh, systematic theology. And I would really, I'm interested in those as an amateur, but I didn't want to be, a, uh, I didn't want to do the deep work for that. But then they came out with one in, in leadership, and I knew immediately that that was what I wanted to pursue. So um, it actually started out as a doctor of education, which is a terminal degree. Uh, but then last year, uh, having reviewed it all, they decided that I, if I wanted to, I could convert it to a, a PhD, a doctor of philosophy. So I did. And uh, so I spent, I think I've spent five years working on it, and it just got progressively more difficult and more difficult and more difficult. The, the, yeah, the, the requirements were extremely challenging. Um, you know, as a, a former not very good athlete, you had coaches who would push you to your limits, you know, until you're basically on your knees um and the, that's what this did so mm -hmm. it, it started out pretty i could handle it and it just got more and more difficult but at the same time it got more and more interesting and okay. i i kind of was forced to learn an awful lot and i i loved it in the end um yeah and, uh are you interested in what i uh, researched at all? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear about that. It's, uh... Okay, so the, the whole degree is on leadership. So all my class work, coursework, was basically leadership in various uh, different ways of looking at it. But my research is in uh, stress among pastors who led their churches through COVID, through the pandemic, mm. because... Uh, during that time, a survey showed that a massive percentage of pastors 
were considering leaving the ministry altogether. And like a huge number. And there's always pastors leaving churches. It In the first year, the fallout is pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not a profession that people retire from very often. Right. Because they don't they don't make it that far, but uh, during COVID, the numbers just went through the roof because of the the unique stressors uh, or the intensity of the stressors was just increased. So I did what's called um, phenomenological research, which is not about surveys and numbers; it's about interviewing people in depth. So you spend a long time with them, and you, I, I only had one research question. Tell me about your experience leading through COVID. And so they did, and uh, it was pretty horrendous. <laughs> and the biggest thing, uh, well, what I, what I discovered essentially is that whatever vulnerability to stress you had before COVID, will be amplified and magnified beyond anything during COVID. And I'm assuming during any kind of crisis. So if you come in and you're an anxious person, you're going to be 10 times more anxious Mm -hmm. during COVID. Mm -hmm. If If you're a people pleaser, that's going to really surface during COVID and it'll just become unbearable, things like that. Um, practically what I discovered is that politics um, became more important to uh, the people in churches than following Jesus. So the, the issues for them were not, should I follow Jesus? It was, should I follow mask mandates? Should I isolate? And then what happened, the church leadership teams were divided mm-hmm. over these issues, usually along political lines, usually along which cable news you watch. And they fought over that. And the pastors making the decisions about whether to meet and how to meet and whether to mask up were caught in the middle. So if they asked their church folks to wear a mask, because the governor asked people to wear masks, then the people on the right would blast them for giving in to government tyranny. But if they didn't ask people to mask up, then people on the left would accuse them of being uh, right-wing idiots, you know, all this stuff. And the pastor's right in the middle just getting hammered by both sides all the time. And they, they, they said to me openly, I just couldn't take it anymore. I wanted to quit. So... Um, phenomenological research, you can do it in a fairly small sample size as long as you get um, enough information. And so I only interviewed five pastors, but all of them basically said the same thing. And two of them had quit before I even completed my uh, oh. writing my dissertation. They were gone. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I- you know, looking back at those times, I, I know there are those discussions that you you see it on TV once in a while about a church that wasn't wearing masks and uh, what the government uh, wanted to, to do, the local government. But I, I never, never thought about what pastors went through in trying to decide 
which course of action to take, how mm-hmm. to lead their congregations in their worship. Yeah. And uh, again, there's a whole other issue of teaching and having that your church service with no one in the church. Yeah. And I, yeah, I had, that, yeah. That, that had to be a struggle too. It was. Uh, one of my uh, interviewees was a, a very outgoing people person. And he said it was absolute misery standing in front of an iPhone in an empty auditorium. And uh, this this pastor was used to a lot of feedback, uh, uh-huh. verbal feedback during his preaching. And uh, he said it was just awful. There was none. And then all of them, of course, had to learn the technology. And... Uh, None of them were online prior to COVID, yeah. so they were scrambling off to Best Buy and, and online looking for the equipment they needed, and then they were looking for tech people who could help them with what they needed to get online. Uh, our church kind of is kind of an outlier in this. We, we were already online, and uh, we had... Uh, ordered some extra equipment because we were trying to ramp it up even more, and it came like the week before everything shut down. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, so we had the we had the lighting, the cameras, the microphones, everything all set. But but I still had to learn how to use all the stuff because we couldn't meet. So our tech people weren't with us to help us all the time and it was it was a big struggle but for these other pastors it was a huge learning curve oh my goodness uh, yeah so that was another stress for them yeah i just i I, i'm trying to picture it where uh goes through your mind other pastors mind when you're up there and you're not seeing the congregation you're not seeing the people in the church sitting there whether you're Mm -hmm. connecting with them uh and uh that's really got to be for me. It'd be a struggle because I, you know, I'm I'm thinking, am I connecting with these people? Am I right? Or, you know, it was hard. Me, it was hard. Yeah. Even me being the uh, supposed introvert, I claim to be. Yeah. I need people around me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to know yeah, I'm doing think, okay. Yeah. yeah. We all discovered that during COVID that. We may be introverted, but we still need some interaction. We do need some interaction, that's for sure. Yes, uh-huh. I know that there were churches down here. There was a couple right near me. They're they're pretty decent size. And they were holding church outside. Yeah. And, you know, so people were in their cars listening to their radio. Mm-hmm. And were looking at a giant screen, and, you know, that they put up on a sheet or something on the wall. So that you know that the pastors could could talk with them for weeks. Yeah. yeah. Till our governor, and luckily our governor pushed real fast to get rid of the mandates. But yeah, it, it took the amount of ingenuity that pastors had to come up with. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about the stress that it, it involved for them. That's. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you were more prepared because you were getting you were you were thinking ahead. So, folks, not to interrupt in the middle of a subject, but we're going to. That's the end of part one. Please don't forget to stay tuned for part two, which comes up next week. What do you think, Tim? What do I think? Uh, I'm not sure where to start. 
uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I, it's just, uh, I like, I like his delivery. It's, um, yeah. uh, much different than mine because there aren't the ahs and ums and pauses and search for words, <laughs> but he's just, he's so comfortable in what he's saying, how he says it and what, I mean, you know, what his life is. He's just so comfortable in it. And it, it comes across very, very well. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he just comes across as, a, as a, a true, faithful believer in Christ who is full of love and wants to share that love and uh, hopefully see others who don't, who aren't, who haven't accepted it yet, you know, to to present it to them as they need it, how they need it, and uh, be prayerful with them. Yeah. And you, with you, us. Yeah. You've heard the term comfortable in his skin? Yeah. That's, yes, what, I, that's what I got out a lot of a lot out of it was he's comfortable with who he is and what he is and how he is and what he does and what and he, why believes. he is. Yeah. I found yeah. it interesting that he made fun of or gave the, the, the people who had faith in Jesus and believed in Jesus. He gave them all a hard time before he found Jesus. What was that? His second year of university. Yeah. I found that very interesting. I thought, now, isn't that just a little bit apropos? Oh, <laughs> it just, it's almost like Jesus gave him the time to get it out of his system, huh? Yeah. I like no, the fact that they call them Bible. No, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's really interesting. To, it is. Just, just like that. I mean, to yeah. Have Somebody introduced him, like you bet you reintroduced him. And to me, and it's like, okay, that, that all makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I found that very fun. To listen to and I enjoy uh, it. Yeah, and it's been it's been interesting where his journey's taken him. You know, and born oh. in Scotland and uh, got a law degree. Um, yeah. <laughs> which isn't isn't that a, being a lawyer and a and a pastor kind of an oxymoron? Well, it certainly gives you the uh, training and how to get up and talk in front of people, True. and uh, and to share your point of view. Yes, and, ex and you know and. You know, he's certainly got the training in how to uh, present Jesus as a true as a true living person. Yes, and yeah. as the savior of, of our of God of our the savior of our our lives and yep. God's son. Yeah, I I think it all worked together for a purpose. Oh, I do. I that agree. Way. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that I really I found cool, and, and I like the way you had asked, what brought you to the United States. And just the fact that he got this scholarship because he was European, yeah, <laughs> to come over here and study uh, in the seminary. Was it, he didn't say it was a seminary, didn't it? What, what did he call it? Or was it just college? Uh, he, he uh, yeah, he uh, d d uh, encountered the divinity. Yeah, it was the seminary. It was. Uh, he came back. Yeah, he came mm -hmm. back to attend seminary, but he went to a Bible college. Mm -hmm. uh, divinity. I'm sorry. He had attended Divinity School in Grand Rapids. Yeah. And then after that, he went home for uh, a short period of time, and came back and uh, went to seminary. Yeah. 
just a just an amazing man. Yeah, I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it, it just and then to start a church. Yeah, I mean, how hard must that have been? We didn't ask him about that, and that's something. Maybe if we have him back again, ask him what kind of. Uh, well, he's, he's a he's written a book on it. Has he? And I don't know that it's available to the public, but he, he <clears throat> excuse me, I mentioned this earlier when I talked about the 25th anniversary mm-hmm. that was celebrated this uh, uh, last month. And he had written a, a short book called On the Cornerstone and how it started. And uh, it's 25 year history. And yeah, it was what they went through to get that church off the ground, get mm-hmm. it going was absolutely amazing and if those and if those people who who were there from the beginning did not have that faith in god that they had then i don't think cornerstone would be there because they overcame a number of uh obstacles and and but in overcoming them as as i read in the book it's just it was God was just constantly there whenever the next step needed to be taken. He was there. And, right. And it, things were done. So Amazing. It's, yeah. It's a, a good example of what true faith will do for you. Yes. You know, just turning it all over to God, letting, you know, and following where Jesus is leading you. And that's what I get out of Peter. Yeah. He does. He does prove how faith, and this is wrong the way I'm going to say it, but I'm sorry, folks. I don't know how else to put it. How faith works and how it's true that when you have faith, things happen when they're supposed to happen or how they're supposed to happen. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I just, yeah. So now I want to find out. I'll find a way to get 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 a book. I have to call him or, or I have to email him. Well, or, I'll send you a copy of mine. Yeah, because it's mine. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a it's a easy, uh, an easy read. Uh, but it's 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 very good. It's yeah, very good. Um, and, uh, very. It was gave me a better understanding of the people at Cornerstone. Okay. And their faith, and uh, better appreciation what they've been through and uh, what that faith has allowed them to do. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing. And I like the fact, too, that he is or believes in technology. He's, he has faith in it and how they were getting ready to, you know, open up uh, online um, church and all these other types of things before COVID hit where everybody else was struggling and they were already there. Yeah. For the most part, you know, I thought that was cool. Again, I, I just think it's a matter of giving it to God, following where he leads. Yeah. As I'm talking about these things. I'm look, I'm my mind is telling me, Tim, you know, this, you need to do it more <laughs> often, all the time, all the time. Don't you? Yeah. You know, you're talking about what it what it has done for the Cornerstone Church and the people of the Cornerstone Church. And I need to do that all the time in my life. Yeah. I'm, I'm finding it easier to do 
and mm-hmm. I, I have a desire to do it more often, and I'm finding it easier to accept, nope, you don't need to do that. <laughs> so yeah. my, faith, my faith has been, been helped, too, by going there. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest, folks, just two weeks in a row, I watched the total, the total show online. This is very hard for me to, to attend in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was about 1,000 miles away. Something like that. Anyways, it's a long drive every day, isn't it? Yeah, it's a two-day. You know, it's a 24-hour drive each way. And I'm sorry. When I can do it, on, go online. Hey, as far as I'm concerned, I found, finally found the online church I'm looking for. Good. <laughs> there you go. I'm and, glad to hear it, Dave. Yeah. It makes me happy. So, yeah. Um, Tim, so what uh, I know you'd like to uh, – we could go on and on about this. Yep, we could. I'd like for you to uh, – Go to, go to what you wrote, you wrote for this. Okay. Well, um, after I started attending church there, I had written this poem <clears throat> called The Cornerstone. And it's uh, influenced by my attendance there and what the cornerstone in the Bible, what the Bible tells us the cornerstone is. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's found in... Uh, The book, God's Rhyme, on page 122. The cornerstone, the first block laid upon which the foundation is made, in which the line is straight and true, the beginning holding the clue. A clue to the temple, a view of the house, a pew in his church. The few, the blessed, the meek, the poor, the spirit, the son, the father, all found in the cornerstone. Old and new, we can read testaments of the blocks and what blocks which rest on the cornerstone. So perfect in line, lest we lament, lest we reject, lest we build on our own. Jesus, the cornerstone on which we build our lives, a temple, we as one become a church. Building on his perfection, we strive through his life, we end our search. Building on the cornerstone, we are no longer a stranger. We no longer build alone, not since that birth in the manger. And from Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, we are members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Before the beginning and beyond the end, Jesus our Savior is our cornerstone, building on a life, a death that God did send. The house he builds becomes our own. Yes. He was the cornerstone the Psalms tell us the builders rejected. For for those who believe, he is the cornerstone for all that is good. In him, we have our faith, our hope, our joy, our eternal salvation. And as I was reading this, Dave, I saw God's work again. Really? In that reading from Ephesians. Well, you know, what was Peter's today? Peter's sermon was on the household of God. Yes. And this was one of the readings he had. We are members of his household. That's absolutely this true. Was written, I don't, this was written in years <clears throat> ago and we're talking about Peter and this shows up not only in the poem from years ago, <laughs> but today in Peter's sermon. In his message to us. 
yeah. talking about the household of God. Yeah. Amazing. I, I'm, I, I am blessed, folks. I feel thoroughly blessed in the connections that God is putting together here for the cornerstone. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I'm amazed. Absolutely amazed. So yeah. With that, I will, I will stop talking, but. No, no, that's okay. Uh, there was something I was thinking about as you started talking and now it's gone. Um, mm -hmm. Goodness sakes. Anyway, yeah, it just couldn't be that important then, it could it? <laughs> um, goodness, goodness, goodness. Yeah, it is uh, it's amazing how it, things all of a sudden start to correlate and, and come together and and bond, bind and bond. Yeah, I guess that <laughs> was amazing. Yeah. So. Um. Let me go back to this other thing here. What was I? What? Hopefully this will nudge me. Anyways, it's not nudging me, folks. Uh, before I forget, the show notes will have links to where you can find Peter and the Cornerstone Church. There'll be a link in there for the website, um, famousdod.com. There will also be a link in there for all of our stuff, where you can find all Tim's stuff, all of me and him together, all that kind of fun stuff. And I don't want you to forget, at the very bottom of every page of our website, there's this little thing that looks like a microphone. That is, you click on that, and that takes you to another page, which allows you to send us a voicemail about your thoughts. And we really want to hear your thoughts about, especially, our interview with Peter today, part one. Um, I am amazed by the man also. I understand why Tim is so amazed by the man, too. But please leave us a message, and I'll make sure Tim, Tim gets it as well. And if it's something you want to leave for Pastor Peter... We'll send it on over to him, too. Uh, that's my soapbox. Okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you could do me a favor, too, folks. Uh, just leave a message, and if you agree with me, just say yes. And have Dave, when he's putting together these promos for the next podcast, and it shows the two of us, that my head's not like this all the time. Actually, I'm an upright person. Could you do that for me, please? Yeah. I haven't changed that. Yeah. Apparently, my head is always like this during the podcast, and uh, which is why I'm looking at Dave and not me as we're recording. Uh, uh, folks, if you like Tim's poems, let us know. Let Tim know. If you like what we're doing, let us know. If you hate what we're doing, that yet you keep listening. Let us know why you do that, too. <laughs> please. Yes, please. Uh, let us know. We, we, we really do want to hear from you. Okay. And, with, and, and folks, also, the next week, next week's recording will be part two. We're not going to put you in suspense and keep a couple in between. We're going to do it right back to back so you get the full impact of of Peter's conversation and his story, because uh, the next one, he, he talks a lot 
about we talk about sermons and structure in the church and and things like that um which is you got to hear it folks it's just it's just it's fun i'm sorry it's just fun i i got a lot out of this and i can't wait to for you to get a lot out of it too that's all i got okay <laughs> well what do you say we end in prayer i think that's an excellent idea folks all right would you like to do it or do you want me to well, I'll tell you what, you do it this time, I'll do it next time. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer as we end today's podcast. Dave and I thank you for your leading us through the day and into tomorrow. We pray that today has been pleasing to you and honors your glory. Lord, I also thank you for the uh, connections that have been made today in the poem that I read. Uh, your work is amazing, and I praise you and thank you for that, Father. And Lord, we pray for our listeners and viewers for their needs, healing, and the salvation of those who have not yet accepted the gift of your grace by faith. We pray, Lord, for this world in which we live. Father, as Christians, lead us to proclaiming the gospel wherever we are. May we do so in a loving way lead us to the truth of the days we are living in we pray for the nation of ukraine and its people its leaders those who have fled the country to find safety those who are still trying to leave the country and those who are staying to fight the invading army of their enemy may the faith may their faith and determination be an example to the entire world lord prepare us and our listeners and viewers for the coming week we pray that it is you that we live for and you who leads us as we walk with you this week, may it be at your hand that is clasped around our hands so we may feel the grasp of your love. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. Amen. And folks, if you give him the times as you live, his word rhymes. Don't forget. Don't forget, Dave. We are the king's kids, and you'll never get rid of us, for we are his with Jesus. God bless you all. Have a great week. Bye-bye, folks.